Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future. This episode of the podcast is supported by Doing the Damage, the only DJ pool focused exclusively on house and dance music. Supplying the best remixes, bootlegs, mashups and exclusive promos from their global network of DJs, producers and labels. Check it out now at doingthedamage.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast, including chats with James Hype, Ben Hemsley, Ridney, Vanilla Ace, Tim from the Utah Saints, and many, so many more. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, and on Mixcloud. Simply search Felix Leiter in the house. In this episode, I talk to my boy, the non-iron legend that is Paul Woods. We chat lockdown, taxing his first decks, sneaking into clubs, running his own parties and festivals, and general Belfast naughtiness. If you know Paul of the Northern Irish scene, then this is essential listening. If you don't, lock in. This is an education about a fierce party city with some mighty, mighty characters. Let's get into it. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are. Paul Woods, great to have you on the show, my old friend. How are you? Absolutely brilliant, man. Brilliant. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad I've got nothing here. but respect for you. The first person who's ever done a podcast with a pint and a tab. <laughs> man, like, we're from Belfast. Like, what else would we do? You know what I mean? It's Wednesday um, First, first up, it seems like I have to ask this question because of the world we're living in. How's how's lockdown been? How's lack of gigs been? How's the whole fucking shenanigans? The, how, is, how is it for you, man? Uh, basically, we were locked. We were completely off. Uh, the night before St. Paddy's night, I think it was my last gig, like back in March, and it's been a fucking nightmare, to be honest. I really... I, I'm a curse. Yeah, oh yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, sweet. Uh, one's German. Yeah, so it's been a fucking nightmare, man. Uh, my wife is pregnant. Uh, so she lost her job the same day. She works, so she's the manager of the coffee shop. So her place closed down, all the clubs closed down. So basically that was us out of work straight away. And it was a struggle for the first it was a struggle for the first two weeks, to be honest. And then I wasn't sleeping. I was in, I think I was in a bit of depression, to be honest. I was yeah. really struggling with it because we had a lot of events lined up, a lot of DJing lined up as well. Uh, I just came off the back of about 15 gigs in a row, I think it was, which was actually a good thing. Looking back on it now, because I had a lot of income. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I ended up I ended up having a chat with a fellow DJ, uh, Anthony Stratton, at about six a.m. on a Sunday morning. I still hadn't slept yet, and he hadn't slept. He was he was the same as me. He hadn't slept, and he was struggling. So we ended up coming together and forming a bit of an idea, and that then allowed me to focus my time for the for basically the duration of the lockdown and it's still going on now this this project was started uh djs unite it was a bit of a fundraising event and you know i mean i'm sure we'll go into it later if you want but yeah that helped me focus man and so that's what i've been concentrating on and now we're 
looking like we're going to get back to some sort of normality hopefully soon so I'm just really looking forward to it can't wait I think that's I think you raise like a really good point about that like having something I mean I found it I've touched on it on previous episodes since since the lockdown like like you I was gigging two three you know nights a week different clubs like used to be like a a gigging DJ and institutionalized to it. Do you know what I mean? Like done it for years, like yourself. And um, yeah, to have that that taken away, not just the, obviously the money is a huge issue, but not just the money that the mental side of having that taken away, like the thing that you're focusing on, like if I forgot how much, I was constantly looking forward to the next gig or the next event, how much I was constantly prepping for the next gig, thinking about the next booking, like sorting out a flyer, like speaking to a promoter, like, and when all that was taken away, like I did, I don't want to make it out as if like, you know, we're still all right. We've got our health. I mean, there's there's other people out there who've had a worse time, but I'm just saying in our little tiny world of how we lived our lives, I'd never had that taken away before for 15 odd years. Like, so to not have a gig to look forward to, to not have a bit of artwork to do, to not have a booking to do, to not have a, a party. Like to... your, your whole life was taken away. You know what I mean? It's essentially, <laughs> I know a lot of the DJs that have full-time jobs and stuff, you know, like, and well, DJs, I know a lot of DJs will have jobs, part-time jobs, and they'll do DJing on the set. Whereas we as DJs, we're promoters as well. So this is our full-time job. This is all we do. Yeah. DJing, music, that's it. And then when it was sort of taken away, it was it was just, I don't know. I, I was, as I said, I think I was I was in shock for the first yeah. couple of days. And then I was in, I was angry and depressed for a bit. And then out of that came something brilliant. So it was like... Well, that's, yeah, that's the point I was going to make, really, was like the, the fact that you... And most people that I've spoken to, again, funnily enough, in this in our situation of everyone seems to have found something new to focus on or found something positive, and that's where they've put their energy because everyone like us has, you know, like has this energy that they put into this stuff. So when it's taken away, we have this ball of energy that's flying around that we don't have anything to do with. I couldn't sleep. I was like, I was just up all night thinking about everything, just everything that we were missing out, going, what? We're missing in this. We had festivals lined up. We had all our international gigs. We had all the all the residencies, just the weekly stuff. There was there was so much that was just going through my head. I was just like, oh, I've never had a, I've never had a sleeping pattern like this. I don't think in my adult life. So like basically the way that my week would work like normally like pre-lockdown was i would be gigging friday saturday minimum which means like you know not very much sleep you've got to get up and crack on on a saturday sunday so you've not very got much sleep i would tend to like sleep for like 10 odd hours on a sunday night get up i'd be a lazy monday morning and then it's like your sleeping pattern's a bit wrecked so you're awake late monday night you've got a gig through the week and i'd get up early one morning to go to the studio or something but it's like I would sleep on the nights that I was not gigging because I was so tired from the nights that when I was gigging. <laughs> so suddenly, well, I had no... yeah, like Saturday and Sunday, you know what I mean. You're out right through some most nights, and I and I travelled to and from my gigs, and then on Sunday night you were fucked <laughs> like a baby, like a lord, and then on Monday night it would come around again, and you were getting back in the gig mode. You were like right Tuesday for a lucky playground. You know what I mean? Thursday night for Elsewhere. I mean, it's just like rotation. It's just normal to be like that. And I was yeah. getting up at that as family time and getting up with the wee man. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's trying to fit it all in. It was just chaotic. Yeah, it's okay. It you were chaotic than nothing. It was like, what the fuck? 
Yeah, I'll, never, I'll, never compl- I'll never complain about any of it. Well, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't think I complained about it ever, to be honest, but I'll certainly, no. I'll certainly treasure it more when it comes back, I have to say that. Oh, mate, I never, I always appreciate it. I was, to me, DJing, when I started, it was just, I started late on in my life, I think. Yeah. I had a university and all first. Well, we'll come, we'll come, we'll come back to that. So let's, let's start the podcast. That was a little, a little lockdown chat. So let's go, let's yeah. go the, follow the usual usual format so way before djing way before late nights and going out and clubs and all that we always start at the same place which is where do you remember the first influences of music coming from in your life like you know we're talking right back to being you know a toddler or whatever like in you know 10 11 12 like have you got musical parents have you got an older brother or sister who was playing tapes like what do you just way before dance music and stuff what were you what do you, your memories of the first stuff that you ever heard and where was it was it in a car was it in you know a living room where was it so when i'm thinking back now to it because i've listened to a few of the podcasts so i've been like <laughs> trying to think you know like you know the cast your memory back and be thinking about right this is he's going to ask you and try, try to think about what what actually your thought process was then. Uh, for me, I think my my two sisters were very much into Irish dancing. So when I cast my memory back to the youngest I can go back, all I can remember hearing is beats and kicks. Like the, the two girls would be practicing in the in the in the kitchen. And they had heavy heels on and they're, they're just drumming, you know, just drumming, you know what I mean? Whatever it is they're doing and they're heavy dancing, the Irish dancing, it's just proper kicks. So for me, it was that, that was always like, I, I feel that that was the thing that gave me my rhythm, you know, like you're, 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 yeah. you're feeling for the music, that, that rhythm, it's it was instilled in me from a very young age, you know what I mean? So that was the first thing I, I also remember my my dad used to he was a bouncer he was a bouncer at a club right so he used to come back with like mixtapes from the djs and he would play them in the house and i remember him used to record he used to, he used to i remember watching him record on a cassette player you know like recording the radio like you had to do a funny way and you couldn't come into the room because as soon as you, you had to hit record and play or something together <laughs> You weren't allowed into the room because if you come into the room, it recorded the voice. There was an echo in it. You weren't allowed in. That's that's my earliest memory. Is, is here, my dad playing dance music from the nightclubs from like I don't know. I'm talking like the nineties when I'm only five and six. You know what I mean? So where uh, did you? Whereabouts did you grow up? Like where? Where were you living with your dad at this point? Uh, Mum and dad in Belfast. Right. Yeah. So you were. So you were in Belfast at that point. Yeah, I'm yeah. from Belfast, born and bred, and that's where I've always lived and up until I met my wife, and we moved to like a seaside town called okay. Newcastle. Uh, <laughs> the, the yeah. So, uh, so then, and then like, so, so moving like moving through like as you get a little bit older and you go in, and you going through school, like in that kind of like you know those those teenage years. Like 13, yeah. 14, 15, 16. We're probably still a little bit before you're going out to proper, you know, proper clubs, sneak, you know, sneaking in or whatever. But can you remember what you were listening to then? Like, was was dance music a big thing in Belfast when you were, you know, a teenager? Was it like the yeah, indie thing? Yeah. Was it like. Yeah, I remember my dad used to drive the buses to a place called the Arena. I don't know, the Mad, the Mad Arena. I don't know if you, you don't know if it's, if it's in your memory or you know of it, but yeah, it yeah. was a real big back in the day. And um, so my 
older cousin used to go to it because he was a bit older than me. Uh, uh, so he used to go to it and I wasn't allowed to go because I was too young. So I just remember always being in the music from that from like a young age. It was real young. It must have been about 12 or 13. And, I, and he, my cousin that I'm talking about, uh, he's called Sean, he actually got a set of decks. So he got a set, a set of vinyl. It was like Beltre, <laughs> like comms or something, you know, <laughs> they were like real bad. Uh, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? They'd done a the job and you were like, you were just real keen to get on them. So I went up to his house and I jumped on them and you were messing about. And I think, as I was saying about the rhythm from the Irish dancing instilled in you, I just took to it naturally. I just took the, like the beat match and I just had a wee bit of, I don't know what it was. I just took to them far better than what he did. So I think after about a month, I took them to my house <laughs> and they never went back. You know, like and the and what sort of what, what sort of vinyls did he have then? Like, so if, if he had the vinyls first, what sort of music were you first kind of spinning on those on those turntables? Like nineties trance, it was like nineties like trance, like Vandit stuff like that, kind of like um, Paul it was like, label and yeah, Paul, yeah, that's it. A little Paul Van Dyk, trying to think, like Reckless label, uh, like Nucleus. Oh yeah, yeah, Nucleus, yeah, like, yeah. Nucleus label. That was a load of stuff. Yeah. Uh, like Love Parade was not about. You know what I mean? I can't think. Maybe it was. I think Love. I used to have Love Parade on vinyl. So after I took them off him, came so to my house. This, how, old, how old are you when you've sort of taxed these decks back to your house? Like, I, I think I'm back to now, I must be like 13, maybe, you know, wow. 13, 14. Because okay. he's like, so he's like four or five years older than me, and he was only just going to the arena. And my dad was the, the bouncer at the club. He was the bouncer at the arena, right? And he also, whatever night he wasn't working, he used to drive the buses. So he would drive all the lads down to wherever they were going clubbing. And I remember actually going on one of the adventures. I was a child. It must have, my mum must have been going out somewhere. He took me with him. We drove down a load of head cases on a bus. We just sat outside, went to the chippy. You know, fought about. I ended up falling asleep in the bus. Picked them all up on the way back. You know, waking up, I just remember looking around going, look at all these fucking rats. This looks brilliant. This looks epic. I can't wait. <laughs> no, man. So can, can you remember? Can you remember the first like? So you've taxed these decks, and you've and you've sort of taken a few of his records as well. Can you remember the first kind of record that you bought with your own money? That was like the first one that you went into Belfast and picked out from somewhere, or like, or, or how were you? How were you acquiring records at this point? Like, were you buying job lots? Were you going to HMV? Was there a record shop in yeah, Belfast? Yeah, it used to be a real cool record shop. I remember going down to when I was in the like, you know, like. First year school, like I don't even know what age that would be. Maybe younger than what I was saying. Actually, when I think back to it, uh, yeah, I used to go down to Mixmaster with my needles. You used to have to bring your needles down because they had no needles on the vinyls. So you brought your needles down and you just ran through a load of load of vinyl and just until you got a couple of select and where you went up and brought them up. You thought you were the dog's balls, you know, way <laughs> up with your new vinyl. So were, you, uh, were you buying trance? Like, were you were you still buying trance, or were you into something else at this point, or did you know what you like? What were you buying at this point? Trance, oh yeah, trance was what we were into back then. It was just like Paul Van Dyk and can't even remember all. It was just like a lot of white label stuff, like yeah. organ donors. Yeah, it was one of the. We used to have that. Like trying to think back, 
Because weren't they yeah, they weren't organ donors something to do with like tidy tracks and stuff? Did they do some hard yeah, house stuff as well? Yeah, like they, that sort of stuff, like hard house and hard trance stuff. Just more, the more banging the better. You thought, you know what I mean? And what were the uh, yeah, what was what were the first like? I don't know if it was because you got in if your dad, but like, what was the first clubs you can remember kind of sneaking into or getting into when you were like, you know, of of, of that age, of, around that age. So whenever I was young, I I looked a lot older because I had a beard from I was no age man. So I had literally. I'll tell you another story as we get in. I used to get suspended from school. Uh, I went to a grammar school. It was real, real strict. I used to get suspended from the school because I had a beard and you, you had to be clean shaven. And this was in, this was in like third year. No joke, man. I swear to God. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I used to miss first period because first period was the guy who came and looked at us. You had to go and get signed in and that fucker would tell you'd be like waiting on me. Woods. Where are you? You get right away Shaking home. I get I'm like fucking me and me and there was a two two of us were two hurry bastards in school. Me and another guy called Joe, and I and used to be I used to meet him in the lane walking down. You get sent home as well. Oh, I thought <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. But yeah, absolutely gay man. I, I school for me was was brilliant. There was like. There was me and one other guy that was a DJ. Of the, you know, like back then, back then it wasn't cool to be a DJ the way it is now. You know, it's like everybody wants to be a DJ now. I think, and I, I think a lot of the younger guys are in it for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? Some of them just want to be there for the for the image as such. You know, but I think for a lot of the guys that I were with, it, it, there's a lot more to it than that. We've been here a long time, and it's it's more. It's always it's always been about the music for me. Personally. It's a bit more geeky, like even in that last podcast I've just done with Jet Boot Jack. Like it, it started off like he's the same. He was like, you know, it wasn't cool when I was I was sneaking out of school to buy records at lunch break and stuff. And I was like, I've I've said it on this podcast a few times. If you ever took me to a you like you know when I was a kid to a house party or, or a club always find me stood by the DJ booth. I was always like, I was always trying to peer, peer over. I was always like, yeah, trying to look, see what was going on, what records are they playing, what decks have they got? Like, and I'd always be like, oh, if it was me, I'd play this record next. Or if, I, you know, if it was me, I'd do that. And like, you know, it was just a nerdy yeah. music thing. Yeah. Um, That's the way I was. It, it was even, even every club <laughs> that I was a youngster, as an underage kid, I would be hanging over the DJ booth, I guess, as you said, just peering over and just stood and watched for for the nearly the whole time, I wasn't there. wasn't there for anything else. It wasn't there for girls. It wasn't there for the drink, really. You know what I mean? I was there for the music. And I, I, that's what I loved about it. And so what were some enough. of those? What were some of those clubs you were going to? Like back in the like, what were those early clubs you were going to in Belfast? One of them was called the Word. It was a, a local guy, a local place. Uh, it was in Backets. It was just like a bar. You know what I mean? And they had an upstairs room, and it was like they just kitted it out, and it was this. And there was a resident. The resident was called Anthony Stratton, Anto Stratton. Right? And funnily enough, now this is the guy that I've started the the charity with, the DJ As Unite project nice. with same nice. guy. Uh, so it's real, real cool. Like I, I, I tell about it. I, I used to remember watching you peering over the decks whenever I was a youngster. I was in the club before I was meant to be, and he's just laughing. He sort of fell out of it for a lot of years, but he's trying to get back into it now. And so. I've just been helping him, you know, get his get his name about and get a few a few gigs and stuff. So it's real cool for me to then yeah. be able to 
to do the turnaround and go from watching him and the likes of Glee Davin. Yeah. You know, watch watch Glee was like he used to be Glee D back in the day before he became Glee Davin or Glee now. That's, 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 I mean? that's a proper nineties name, that isn't it? Glee D. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, he's he's a proper he's a proper Belfast legend, isn't he? Really, like, and especially attached to Thompsons and stuff. Oh, mate, like Glee for me was a uh, uh, Glee was a hero of mine. You know what I mean? Like, I used to go to Thompsons when I was underage as well. But Thompsons was another one. The word was the first one. It was when I was like maybe. Well, I don't want to say what age it was, but <laughs> <laughs> well underage, you know. Uh, because my cousin used to go to it, this is what I'm saying, my cousin Sean, he used to go, and he was just, just I think he was 18, and he was going with all his friends, so I was like, you're t- I ain't going too, you take me with you. And because I had a beard and stuff, I looked a lot older and I was bigger. Uh, yeah, uh, I got away with it, I got in. So he used to take me to all the clubs, all, all wherever we were going. And my best friend, uh, Matt, he, his brother was actually the manager of Thompson's. Like, real, like, we were, like, whatever we were, like, 15. So we were, like, well, I don't know what, you were in fourth or fifth year in school. So his <laughs> brother was the manager of Thompson's. And back in that day, mate, back in that day, remember, we're from, we're from the falls. We're from the west of the city. And back then, if you were from that area, nobody went to the city centre. Like, nobody from my area We'd go into the city centre, we'd go to Thompson's, we'd go to any of the clubs that you know or you played in, in Belfast. They would just stick to their own and stick to local crap, you know what I mean? Right. Or they would get on a bus, go on a bus run to the likes of the arena or the coach maybe, you know what I mean? Uh, so, I actually got lost in what I was saying there. No, it was just, I was just really asking you about those first, you answered it, it was really just those first yeah. memories of... Yeah, was of, of, of I was saying about Glee and Thompson's. We used to go to Thompson's is that the Matt's brother was the manager of Thompson's. So he would let us come down and we would get brought in the back door as youngsters. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> way on in up the stairs, way you just go. Do you know what I mean? So that was us. We were there was really like four of us back then, you know, like the ones who could get away with getting in. because like, it was all based on look. If you if you didn't have the right look back then, they were just like, not tonight, lads. You aren't getting in. So there was only like three or four of us who could you know what I mean? Who could carry that? Who could carry the? Who carry themselves in the right way? At that age, did they be in the club? So you weren't acting a wee dick or getting steaming and falling about the corner. You know what I mean? Have you, told, uh, have you told Stevie Boyd about these memories? No, not one bit. <laughs> 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 yeah. So that's why that comparison is iconic for me, uh, because. At that stage, I was only really getting into DJing, right? And then when we were going to Thompson's, I was like, I would love to play here. You know, you're, you're, you're looking, going, to me, watching Glebe and whoever else is on at that back in the end days, I was like, fuck me, this is unbelievable. Like, I would love to play here. The DJ booth was in a, in a completely different spot. The club yeah. looked completely Sorry. different from what it was now. Uh, and it was smashing, man. I loved it. Yeah. So when so 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 you so you've you've got some decks, you've got some records, you, you're into it, you're banging into it, you go into clubs when you, you know, you're getting snuck in the side door and all this kind of stuff. What's what's the next? Like, when do you get your first gig, or how do you go about? Are you playing house parties, or do you get in? Are you doing like a little local bar or something? Or what, when are you starting to get these gigs out, or does it not come for a while? 
So one of my friends, uh, funnily, enough, funnily enough, another story actually, Brent. So one of my friends at the time was like a couple of years older than me and he was in the DAX too. So me and him used to meet up and we would play on my cousin's DAX in my house. And he would bring vinyl up and, you know what I mean, we would, he, would, he was a bit older than me, so he knew the crack and he was an MC. So he had real good MC skills and he could scratch like a fucking champion, you know what I mean? But he, he, he wasn't really good at beat matching, you know what I mean? So we would just get together and fuck about for hours just in my bedroom, just farting about and he'd MC and I'd be mixing and whatever. And then that just developed and then his cousin was a mobile DJ, like a wedding sort of DJ. Yeah. Um, like wands, 40ths, whatever, you know, like that sort of thing. Whatever it was, functions. And he got extra work. So whenever he, he needed, say he was double booked for a Saturday night or a Friday night, he would call us and then we would go out and do them parties. So it all started there for me when we were going out and doing like, say, a 40th birthday party or a 21st birthday party. And it wasn't really club DJing. It was more... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It was just more, it wasn't even really DJ, to be honest. It was just fucking jukebox stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Real shit. But like, you were just you were just playing the, the, the big tunes of the time in 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, mate, it's, a, mate it's, a phenomenally, it's a phenomenally like frequent story on this from like PBH to like, I think John Gibbons to like, it's a frequent, it's a really frequent story of people like, you know, getting into mobile DJing and getting, just getting out and about and like, you know, getting lifts off the mums with equipment and setting up and doing parties and, you know, it's That's just learning. It like, we used to fill this wee Ford Focus. <laughs> it was like, the two of us were in it and there's stuff right in the front of you and a tripod pumping you in the neck. You're like, what the fuck? You can't even move with that much stuff. You know what I mean? It was, it was brilliant. I loved it. It really, it really, like, it, it, it learned you your craft a bit. But, so we've done that for a while. We've done that for about maybe two years. So at that stage, I'm like, I think I am about 17 this stage because I'm about to get my first car. So then I got my first car when I was 17, just turned 17. Got a, My dad looked after me and, and got me a brand new Focus. My mate had a Focus, so I was like, he has a Focus, I'm going to get a Focus too. You know, that sort of way. Uh, so yeah, I got I got myself a car, and then I sort of fell out of, I fell out of the DJ a bit, like the sort of gigs dried up with Nagel, yeah. who's actually Sunday night resident in Club Honey now. <laughs> and then enough so to see it now. Some sense years went past, just the jump of it. Years went past, and I got in the DJ and started running stuff. And then we needed a Sunday night resident for Club Honey, so straight away I was like. Michael, you know what I mean? Right. Can you do because we needed large tune selection, wide variety, wedding stage stuff, you know what I mean? And he I was like, he's perfect for the job. So I was able to put him in on a Sunday night and he's been the resident there, you know what I mean? as for whatever, two or three years now. He's, it's good to be able to help him out, you know what I mean, and return the favour. Yeah. As I get older. So yeah, man, I ended up falling out of DJ a bit, fell away from it and Continued studying, went to university. Did you go to university in Belfast? Yeah, I went to uh, Jordanstown, University of Ulster. Okay. But you're not DJing while you're at uni? You're not putting on parties? You're not? No, that's what I'm saying. I, when, I, when, I got the, when I got the car, uh, I started working. I was working like sort of a part-time job. And okay. I was 
You know what I mean? We were still in school, working a part-time job. And I was sort of started, started to fall away from it. I think I needed money. Whatever yeah. happened, money for something, and I ended up selling my decks and selling all my vena. I had, at that stage, I had a massive collection. I remember it filled my whole bedroom. Like, literally, the whole, you couldn't get in the night. I had a wee box bedroom. Literally could not get into the bedroom. There was that, that much vena in it. There was just all over the floor. It was fucking everywhere. Uh, so we ended up selling it all for whatever, a lot of money back then. And that was me. I, I ended up going and working. Went to university. Wasn't in the DJ. Wasn't in the DJ. I was planning on doing university shit. You know what I mean? Planning on doing web design. That's what I've done for university. On web design coding and that sort of. Was that? I was a real fucking nerd. You know what I mean? It was real nerdy and in the computers growing up. And I think that's where the love of music came in as well because it was it was a little, Although I had a lot of friends and I had a big wide circle of mates and a lot of people at Carter I liked being just in the house on your decks or yeah. on a computer and playing with Napster and playing on LimeWire and stuff, you know what I mean? Downloading tracks and just constantly being, you know what I mean? You're happy in your own, you're happy in your own surroundings just by yourself doing what, when I look back on it now, it helps you a lot because Helps you a lot now with the DJ and maybe even made it better production. You're just you're just by yourself and it's yeah. it's your your own game. You know what I mean? It's you've nobody else to blame. It's nobody else to count on. It's all on you as such at times. You know what I mean? And that's, so that's how, did you, like how did you find your way back into it then? What was the sort of thing that spurred you back into it, or like how did you kind of? Because I mean, you're absolutely killing it at the minute. I mean, we'll get onto that now, but you're absolutely killing it pre-lockdown. So what was the thing that? That sparked you back into it, or what led you back into back down that road? Yeah, so I knew this question was going to come up, <laughs> and so I've actually been thinking about it a lot. And uh, I was I was actually thinking about what way I should answer this, and should I give you the the deep, dark, honest truth, okay, or should I give you a wee sugar coated version? What do you want? Which version do you want? I want the deep dark truth, mate. The deep dark truth. Yeah, it's funny though. It's... I mean, I, I, I'll say this: I definitely do want the deep dark truth. But sitting like doing, I don't know how many I'm on now of these, but like sitting doing these now, um, it is funny sometimes because the amount of times people say stuff, and I'm just there, and my head's just going, "That's a fucking load of bullshit." <laughs> Because I know sometimes as well, if I told a certain story, I would just spin it a certain way. Do you know what I mean? And make all the events and make all the kind of decisions just fit my narrative. And so sometimes yeah. when people say something, I just go, that is fucking bullshit. <laughs> so, you know, I don't mind, man. If you want it, you, 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 to, you to your story, you get to tell it how you want. But, um, you know, whatever you think, yeah. wh- however you want to tell it, man. Basically, I moved when I was in university. Uh, I was doing quite well. I was working like two jobs, whatever. I had a bit of cash. I was, I was doing all right. And I moved in there real swanky pad. It was in the middle of, of an area where I grew up in. We built these new apartments. And were, <laughs> I moved in there with the girl that I was going with at the time. And shortly after, she moved out. And I just went on a fucking bender. Like an absolute mad streak. Like, Partying for days, Thursday to Monday. You know what I mean? 
when you're partying from Thursday to Monday and you're not been sleeping. There. Been there. So, taking, really for- taking taking painkillers with caffeine in them so you can keep going. Yeah. That gets you from that gets you from the hangover to the first drink of the day. Oh, mate, there was no sleep, and it was because it was see the apartments that were with, with the way they were. There was like there's a real big group of our friends. I have a real big group of friends. It's probably one year fifty of us went to Ibiza. That's how many friends we have. It's like it's a big group of lads. Do you know what I mean? So obviously you have your small cliques, but it, when you break it all down, but the weights are our runs about fifty strong. So there was about ten to fifteen of us all got apartments in this com- in this complex, and it was like it was like being on holiday. Every you know what I mean? It was like. You walked it and it was real nice. It was real nice, like place. You know what I mean? It was a courtyard. It was like an underground car parking place. It was like, and the, the apartments were fucking nice, man. Right? Not for not for twenty year olds. You know what I mean? They're not they're not the type of apartments for twenty odd year olds. And I was like, I don't even know how we got this fucking apartment. And anyway, so we were just partying like fuck, just partying flat out, and then. I was working all sorts of fucking stupid jobs, man. Like all the stupid jobs under the sun, like security, pizza deliveries, fucking, you know what I mean? Just anything, just to get by, sort of thing. And then just partying, like fuck at the weekend. So. And where are you partying? Just to pause it for a second. Where are you partying now? Then, so you're a bit older than you were. Like, where are you going? What music are you listening to? What's what's kind of the what are the busy places in Belfast at this point? Like. Like yeah, just just give us a little bit of insight to what where you were going, what what you were listening to. At that point, it's like maybe EDM. Okay, I think EDM was the was the the big thing back then, and it, it wasn't even it was only starting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't even as it was maybe just coming in. It was house. It was house music we were listening to back then. Almost, it was almost the... Axwell and Angelo on that playing on their own before the Swedes and playing that yep. big kind of like yep. pumping Swedish house yeah. vocal, like, like the super mode kind of thing and all that. Tell me why yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Trying to think of like Tim Mason. Yeah, Tim He's Mason. Like, yeah, fucking hell. Mason, who else we were listening to? Uh, Fuck. Yeah, I know what you mean, but I mean it's even it's even kind of like the start of Avicii, like it's even levels is just kind of coming, but it's like yeah, even probably a bit of laid back Luke and a bit of like Benny Benassi and all those kind of it was like Tim Berg. Yeah. We were watching Tim Berg, was it like whatever tracks they were, it was like head candy. We were yeah. going to Thompson a lot. So it would be like head candy stuff and like defective and yeah. Excuse me. Uh just that sort of that sort of house music style stuff. We moved into from the early years of trance. Yeah, we moved the the very very start. I remember listening to Happy Hardcore. Yeah, like DJ Danny D or something. I can't even remember what the, what the CD was. It was like the CD was like a happy face. That's what the CD was. Just like a big circle. It was like I remember it distinctly. It was like this. This is it was a whopper. I love to get it now. Maybe me and I actually know the guy Danny D now. Yeah. Uh, Get a copy of it because it's a fucking cracker. But yeah, so we were listening to Hair Candy. I used to love a lot of that. That was saxophone and stuff. And as we were, we were going to Ibiza, uh, yeah, so Ibiza was the big, big influence for us. Uh, like we were still listening to Scott Project and like Dave Pierce yeah. was a big one. Judge uh, Jules, Judgment, you know what I mean? yeah. Judgment, Judgment Sunday, I think it was back then. Yeah, Judge, 
Friday or something. There. I don't even. So know have, have you finished uni now, or are you are you still like are you still like in your second third year kind of thing? I'm still there. I'm like still still saying uni. It was a four year course I was on. Okay. So I still had I still hadn't get back in the DJ at that stage. Had I? I'm trying to think back. Uh, no, I hadn't get back in the DJ. And then I was still fucking about and partying and whatever. And we were just listening to music. We weren't DJing, right? Yeah. So then what happened was I was getting real fucked up, man. I was just, just getting, I was just getting low. I was just getting partying. I was by myself a lot of the time and then partying like fuck. And, and then people would leave and you would just be sitting by yourself. And then to be honest, my granny, my granny and my granda both passed away and when my granda was dying, I actually hadn't even told nobody a story before actually. I'm actually getting a bit fucking emotional thinking about it. Uh, it's weird because I've never told anybody this before. I'm about to tell you on a podcast. Uh, so when my granda was dying, he was in hospital and all the family was called in and I was the last one to get there whatever it was I think I was working or something and I had to come out of work and then I was the last one there and I went in to talk to him and, and he said listen go and have a good life and go and do something you want to do and make sure you're happy and enjoy yourself enjoy your life and look after yourself and look after your mummy and whatever and, and then he passed away my mum actually came, out, came in after me and she talked to him and then he passed away and it was just like to me, it was sort of like, it was like, a, it's, it hit me real hard. It was like, I felt like I had a lot of potential, but it was just fucking away, just partying and wasting it as such, doing me stupid jobs and not really focusing on what I actually wanted to do. And then when that happened, I went back to... I went back to tech and went and studied audio engineering and music composition. Okay. And then from there, <clears throat> sort of helped me then. I actually was still working. So I was working two jobs. Just before that, I was working two jobs. I was working at a school and then I was working nights as well, doing deliveries. And I ended up getting a big, massive tax rebate <laughs> one year. So I got a big, massive tax rebate. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to buy tax. Yes. So, yes. So, I was like, fuck it. I had this apartment. Bought the set. Made, had whatever it was. It was a few grand. I was loving it. Went and bought, like, a set of, like, was it? Mark III 1000s. Yeah. And a DJM, like, 800, I think it was. And they were mint. They were absolutely beautiful. I mean, and the guy must have had them. I knew as soon as I walked into this fellow's house, I walked upstairs and he had them. They were pure mint, man. I was like, these have never been out of this room, have they? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, yes. I touched them and they were just like, oh. I remember touching the cue button and it was just, it, it was just beautiful. It was like, it was just perfect. You know, you're just like, oh, CDJs. Oh, my God. Oh, these are beautiful. Bought them off him, brought them back sat them up in that kitchen table in the apartment, in the living room, because the, the, the apartment was all open plan. You see, so pulled the kitchen ta- kitchen 
table out into the living room, bang, set the decks up, and they never moved for they never moved the whole game. Just that, that was it. Part it was just party central from then on in. Then I had a set of decks, just stood behind the set of decks, partying all night, partying all weekend. I was just stood behind the set of decks, didn't move. I was like, right street, not gonna move here until I, I know what I'm at. You know what I mean? So yeah, that was the start of getting back in demo. Uh, so what was it? So then what was it? So then, I mean, that's obviously it started off sad, but it ended it ended happy and joyous, and I, I love that. Like what? So you're obviously having a great time. You're in this apartment. You're on parties all the time. You're on the decks. You're playing. Obviously, the whole science of it's changed. You don't need records anymore. You can download stuff, so you can get loads of new music all the time. I actually, yeah, I actually skipped the part of that. See what you were see what you were saying about what we was doing uh, when I was in university. My, my my best mate Matt, who actually was in my class in university, we went to uni together. He had bought an S4 tractor. Okay. Yeah, good spot getting back in there. That was a, that was the sort of that was the yeah. the sort of initial sort of thing that was like fuck. This is the path I need to go down because yeah. I was doing going down different paths, thinking I wanted to do web design, I wanted to do multimedia, and work behind a computer. And then when he brought the the S four, he brought it to the apartment, and then we were going there, beat them back and forth, and he would bring it over, and we were fucking about on it for years. Or yeah. yeah. Then that's when I realized after my grandpa passed, I was like, I want to be a fucking DJ. This is what I'm going to do. So then I got the rebate. I bought the DAX. Yeah. And the, the, the S4 was replaced by a set of CDJs. I bought myself a, a MacBook and away I went. Got a tractor. And away we go. That was it. Started so, down. So, so, so you're obviously like you've got a big group of friends which i'm going to guess at some point in the future this story plays a part in this but you've got a big group of friends belfast is a it's a great city but it's a small city you already said you know you knew the manager of this place you know you you'd already known this dj your cousin did that so what's you know you've now got these decks you've invested this little tax rebate you've, you've decided that you're going to really you know try and crack on with this djing thing where does the first gig come from? Do you put your own night on? Do you get a gig in a bar or a club with someone you know? What 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 are the first so, steps to getting this fucking ball rolling? So at that time, I was I can't remember what I was doing. Maybe it was maybe it was working in a pizza place. I used to make pizzas like an absolute lord to. Next time you come over, I'll make you a pizza, man. My <laughs> uh, fucking specialty. So I was working somewhere, whatever I was working. I was throwing out mixtapes like fuck, like not even mixtapes. It was I was doing, throwing out mixtapes back in the day when you used to record your mixtapes on a cassette player. Yeah. Uh, and then as a fell away from it, all fell away. But when I was when I got my my MacBook, I started throwing out CDs like an absolute lord, you know, like just through all the mates wanted CDs and everybody wanted them for the car and you know that sort of way. So it was just not about CDs and. Yeah, so there was a place called the White Fort. It's a, it's like a bar, and they used to have, you know what I mean? It was like a club. It's just up from Club on a bit. And it's on the road. It's it's where we used to go to for on a Sunday night for a drink with all the lads. So one of my friends was working in it, and he was the the head chef, and he was looking somebody to be the pizza chef. We're starting to do pizza, so I come in. And, so I basically thought to myself, if I take the job working there, I'm gonna go up, befriend the owner, get in and hand them my CD, and be like, "Listen," because I, I, I sort of knew, like, 
like there's a there's a big gap where I'm like bought the bought the CDJs and I'm like didn't move for them from like for a year. Didn't like was on them flat out every day for about a year straight before I even put a put a mix out, you know what I mean? I would just record a mix, leave it there, leave it on my laptop, let all the lads listen to it, but wouldn't put it on C D. It was like a year later and I knew right. I used to watch the likes of Eddie Hollowell and like Roger Sanchez yeah. and Eric Morello. They were big. I used to watch a lot of them guys. And be like, right. You know what I mean? I want to try and mix on not obviously their level because it was at that stage it was shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I was just watching guys like that going. Uh, and you know what it was? I was watching other guys in the clubs in Belfast thinking to myself, you should mix like this, or you could mix like this, or you should mix better, you know what I mean? Yeah. You should be mixing your tracks like this, or I just thought, I just thought it would be slightly bit different. It was always, there was a lot of intro-outro. See, back in the end days, it was just intro-outro mixing. Yeah. And that was basically it. You know what I mean? You were just beat matching and there wasn't really a lot of much else going on unless you were like a hip hop DJ or you know that sort of way. Like, so to me, I was just like wanted to get a bit more creative. And I think playing on the S4, the tractor, it had four channels uh, and it was all digital. So I think having the vinyl background, like having the vinyl from a young age and playing on them and just being able to crack away on a beat match on a fucking set of belt drives naturally and then when it came to this digital age for me it was just like what the fuck it does it it does it all for you yeah. what do you mean <laughs> it was like i remember i remember matt bringing in the s4 we sat it all up i sat it up cracked away first track on bringing in the next track i was just like stand back and it's like you don't even need to do anything what it was just like right in the bank, just straight away, bang. I was like, right, we need a touch platter, we need a, need a, you know what I mean? You were used to, I remember having a set of techniques at one stage, you know what I mean? This is, I remember one of the mates brought them around to the gaff and he had a DJM and you were like fucking blown away by them. You were like, holy shit, what are these things? These are fucking weapons. Uh, they're act drive and they were just a completely different ball game than what we were used to. Uh, but when you had CDJs, it was a game and the tractor, as a controller, it was just like, you know, you know it, it, for me, it took a lot of, a lot of the, a lot away. At the start, I felt it was like, right, sweet, you just hit, you just cue these up, hit play, bang, the computer syncs it up. What do you mean? There's nothing, else. like, what? This isn't, this isn't good. I don't like it. But it was good when we started getting four tracks on the go and your four channels and you're sampling this acapella and you're just using this kick as you, as you were, as you got into it. Then I was like, fuck, this is amazing. I loved it. You know what I mean? And then that's what, that's what sparked the love of it, was having the tractor for a long time. And then as we got CDJs, it was like burning CDs, like a, like a champion, burning CDs. And one of my armies is a DJ. He's like, listen, just burn one CD on the one track. One track, one CD. That was the way. So even if you're back then, if you're mixing and you're just fucking standing about, you're standing about. Whereas if you're changing the CD, then you're doing something. You know what I mean? 
Just put one track on one CD. It allows you to do something. If you're just standing about, don't ever stand about. I remember he was told me, don't ever stand about. Don't ever stand about just doing nothing. Always make sure you're doing something. And I'm like, right. That was always just something I took on board, you know what I mean, from a young age. But I think we're getting away sidetracked here. No, I love it. I love it, man. It's, it brings back so many different thoughts for me because, like I say, there's one of the things I always think is like I had, you know, I DJ'd on vinyl, and, and had, there's that thing where you turn around and you go through your vinyl. Then it was CD, so you turned around from the decks and you went through your like your, your CD wallet, you know, behind the decks. But now everyone yeah. just constantly faces forwards because you're either. On, you're either on your screens because you've got USBs in or you're still kind of facing forwards because you have got you might have a laptop either side. But again, you're probably still controlling an awful lot of it through the CDJs. Yeah. And I do think that like, people are just so – it's the thing now where you expect to see the DJ or DJs looking at you all the time, whereas before it was like you put your, your record on, you mixed it in, you turned away, you know what I mean? You turned away and walked off because you were, you were then going through your records to bring yeah. out the next one. When you're saying back, back in the name days, I don't think it was as much – I don't think the DJ was as much as a spectacle as what it is now. It was yeah. nowhere near like, – for me, whenever I remember going into the enemy dark clubs like the likes of Thompson's and the likes of the Word and like where else that I used to go to when I was youngster, like there was a place called uh, the Davenish and Club Honey Club Honey. I used to go to Club Honey when I was youngster. It used to be called Oshins when I was a youngster and had upstairs in it, and it was fucking epic. I think like the likes of I think Tiesto played there. Wow. Like back in the day, I would I'll need to double confirm it, but I'm near sure. Like so, Dave Pierce. They had it was like nightclub of the year, like nineteen eighty nine or something. You know that sort of shit. Yeah. But so them clubs all had the DJ in a wee fucking corner. You know, like you, you had to go find the DJ. You were like, where is the DJ? But so you had to go look for it. It yeah. wasn't like it was a big spectacle where it is now, like a show. Yeah. And like, and you certainly LED. didn't have you know big light screens behind them with logos on and a, yeah, none of that. Yeah. Nothing. It was literally a wee black box in the corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't even lit up. You wasn't even. They were as if they didn't want you to know that they were there. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it was youngsters like me and maybe one other guy. You know, like hanging over the DJ booth, watching every move going like, "What's he down there? <laughs> What's he up to? Right, really switching over. Okay, right. Just man, I was as a because I was a bit of a nerd. Because I was a bit of a nerd, I was just. Very analytical and over, like not over analyzed, but analyzed a lot of stuff that what was yeah. going around, around around you and just used to watch him and think, right, that's what he's doing. He's he's picking his new tracker, right? Sweet, he's yeah, so, 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 where did you get back into these gigs then? So, you, you've started to make these mixes, you've got your decks. Where are you like, what's the first way back in, or where's the first gigs coming from? Right, so there was. I think it was a, it was a, it was, when I cast my memory back now, it was, it was, there was a role, as, this is what it was, so I was working in this place, the Whitefort, that yeah. bar, I was, as I was saying, wanted to get in there, befriend the owner, hit him with a mixtape, and try and get in that way, so that was basically, as, as I was doing that, as that was the plan, I was working in this place, doing the pieces, and there was DJ competitions coming up in Belfast and you know, like in other clubs. So one of my mates who was a promoter at the time was running the DJ competition, but he didn't know that I was a DJ. 
So I seen it going up on his page, wherever it was. I don't even think it was Facebook back then. I'm not too sure. I think it may have been Facebook, actually. I think uh, it was just sort of kicking off at that stage. Cause, yeah, because we got Facebook in university. So that stage, we went a couple of years farting about. He had put up a, on his post that he had a DJ competition and he, and he listed all the DJs on it. And I mailed him saying, fuck sick, mate. Uh, no, he was one of my mates. Well, you know what I mean. But he was in the waiter circle. I was like, if you needed, if you're having a DJ competition, let me know. And he was like, oh fuck, sorry, I didn't realize that you were you were a DJ. Like, hundred percent cool. I'll I'll give you a show for the next one. And I was like, rich, sweet. So whatever it was, it was like fifty or sixty DJs entered, and then they broke it down to like say eight or something. And then he rung me like the night before and said, one of the DJs has pulled out, do you want in? And I was like, yeah, 100%. So I entered it, went in the next night, and then I ended up winning it. So from that, I ended up getting a residency on a Friday night in the Trinity Lodge, and we started our first night, which was called Juiced Fridays. Nice. (laughs) But yeah, so... I'm not too sure, actually. I think it, it was all started, it's all kicked off at the same time. So I think that happened. And then there was another DJ competition on in the box, which I remember Murdoch. Yeah, I remember the box. You know, the, yeah. box the box, right? So it was in the box at the time it was at its peak. And Murdoch and Colin Payton, who was running on that, you know, who ended up running on that playground. At that time, that playground wasn't even formed. And then they were doing another night in the box. So they ran a DJ competition, whatever it was, 100 DJs. I ended up going down, I won that too. So, man, it was epic. I went down just by myself. Just Actually, I was with one of my mates. He dropped me down, came in with me. It was literally, it was it was a gig, you know why? You know what was funny about it? Because they were all, all the rest of the guys were using like, like laptops and stuff, whatever it was, a, you know what I mean? Maybe a controller and a laptop and, whatever else, and then I just wrapped up with my CD case. You know, it was like old school. I just bought yeah. all those CDs. And I was like, right, sweet. Show me where the decks are. And they were like, you're on first because you have CDs. And I was like, fuck me, that's a bit brutal. So anyway, <laughs> so I play it first. I play it first, and then whatever happened, I play it first. And then they went, no, the club packed up me at the box, whatever night it was. It was like, say, Thursday night in the box, whenever it was like mad student night. You know what I mean? It was fucking mental. I was like, 2,000 people there within an hour. And then they went, we're opening upstairs. There's too many people here. Can you go upstairs and and we'll do a, we'll do downstairs and upstairs and we'll get everybody to play upstairs for a half an hour. And I was like, right, no sweat. So I went upstairs first again, banged it out. And they were like, right, you won. You ended up winning the competition. So that was sort of started me off thinking, right, I have, I have something here. I have a bit of... I was like, I can't even remember what age it was then, but it was like, they say like 25. I was 25 at this stage, and I was like, thinking about my life and thinking, what am I going to do with myself? And everybody around me was working wee fucking shit jobs, man. And I was just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be part of the part of that system. I, you know what I mean? It was, I felt like it was a more, I felt like I was a creative. And I was like, I'm not gonna be part of the system. I wanna be I wanna do my own thing. Of every every job that I'd worked before that time, I'd walked out of. Like every single one. Yeah. 
I don't know what it was. It was just like, <laughs> I was like, fuck this. I don't know where. See it. Those were fucking cheerio. Every single one. I was like, start, I was thinking to myself, is this something wrong with yeah, me? I, I, I have a problem. Can't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like taking a, I don't, not that I don't like, I don't, not, not that I don't like authority, but I don't like people abusing their authority, man. I have a serious, serious issue with people abusing their power. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, if somebody asks you to do something in the right way, I'll gladly, I'll do anything for anybody. Like, if you, any of my friends will tell you, I would go to the ends of the earth for any of my friends, no problem. Like, one of my mates was up at his wedding, and his best man, he says, you get up and say, listen, if anybody had any problems, you ring Rudy, four o'clock in the morning, and he'll come get you, no matter what, no questions asked. That's my best man. Like, I mean, that's the kind of character he is, and I was like, mate, that, that touched me. I was like, that's, that's the way I am for my friends. I mean, I would do anything for them. But see people who abuse the fuck out of their position, I just can't stand it. So I was just like, anybody has done it to me throughout my sort of, you know all any shitty part-time jobs that you work throughout your, when you're coming up, I just went, what? Take your job up your home, mate. So did it come quite quick then after these after these couple of DJ competitions? Did it come quite quick that you were getting gigs and residencies and you were starting to earn money? Like did that kind of happen yeah. quite quickly? Completely snowballed, like completely out of the just like that DDM phase came in and that was that's what I was playing. And then as I was I was in the pizza place, so the Friday night, the Friday night would take off we started the residency. Uh, it was called Juice Freddy's, and it fucking took off. It went mental. That place had never had a club in it, or whatever was happening in it. It was like a big hall, and we just kitted it out. I, I actually brought my CDJs there. I actually brought my CDJs there, and on the first night, uh, a fella came up and dropped a paint no. right over the CDJs, man, I swear to God. I'm just getting a flashback. It's just as I'm saying, as you're talking about this, you, you, you get flashbacks of all the stuff that happened, you know what I mean? And yeah. you're like, fuck, I forgot about this shit. So, so the first night after I won the competition, uh. right, they the rented in CDJs for the competition. And so after I won it, they said, here, have you got a setup? And I says, oh, and it says, Rick, can you bring it along next week? And I was like, fuck, all right, well. And I'd only really recently got the CDJs. There was like, they were, they, were, they were still like brand new at that stage. And I was like, fuck, man, I'm going to take them to the club. It's going to be a nightmare. You know what I mean? So anyway, took him off first night. Bang, some youngster like leaned over the, the DJ booth. All right, man, here, can you just here? Full paint right over the man. I swear over, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is, mate, I ended up grabbing the kid and was like, fuck, and I was wanted to hit him, but then he hit him. I was like, fuck's sake, kid, what are you doing? And the, the kid was like, so apologetic. Like, I'm sorry, I'll pay for them and all. I was like, he was like a youngster. He he was underage at that time. He wasn't even meant to be in the club. So anyway, I was like, fuck's sake. He's like, take my number and all that. I pay for him and all. So just uh, so the short long story short, the, the kid ended up paying for him. Got me really? a brand new uh, brand new CDJ, man. Brand new. Wow. Uh, I don't know if it was brand new, but it's when we got one off Gumtree or something, but he brought it in and it was in proper mint condition. You know what I mean? It was probably bad. Has he ever, has he ever hit you up for guest list since? Is he, have you, has he yeah, ever like... I, 
Yep, I see this kid all the time, and Club Honey comes in all the time. So we went from Juice, and then we moved to Club Honey, and then he comes every week. All him and all of me, he fucking loves it. What I mean, what an absolute legend he is. I couldn't believe it. It was like a week, a week or two later, and I made a well made, and he says, Oh, here, I'll get that for you. He sat me in a thing, bang. Is this, is, this, is this the right one? And I was like, Okay, he must have got it off his dad. What's his name? Let's give him a shout out. Can you remember I mean, his name? Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, no, I can't remember. It's his first name, Sean, though. Well, Sean, shout out, shout out to Sean. Funny, you're, yeah, shout out to Sean. You're an absolute <laughs> Can't believe it. Youngster got the money out, got the CDJ and fair play, yeah. Yeah, so so the friend went on and then Go ahead, man, go ahead, sorry. No, no, just I was just gonna say, like, because obviously we're not gonna go through like every gig, but it was like how, so then you you just you you're smashing this Friday. Like do you was it your gig? Was Juice Jack your sort of event as well, or were you just getting a DJ wage or were you putting that on as an event? I was just basically the resident. We'd done the artwork. We'd done the... Because I was a bit old, other guys that were working there, they were two youngsters. The two guys were there, they were the owner's son and his mate, and they were only youngsters at the time. And they had a lot of friends too. So I was sort of directing them on how to help run the page and how to use proper language and stuff. And that, that sort of went and get the promo out. So from there... I was still doing pizzas in the other place on the Saturday and whatever throughout the week working. And then on a Saturday night, their DJ cancelled one night. And so the owner came to me and said, can you play on the Saturday night? And I was like, boom. Yes, I straight can. Straight in, man. Fucking yes. So I was, that was the whole plan with working in that place. Say I was working there for about whatever it was, six months or so. That was the whole plan with the game and, and do a, get a night in there because that place was where we all went to as youngsters. As well as first day and on the sack the owner of approached said, Listen, I wanna have a meeting with you. You can go and have a meeting, went down, sat and had a meeting with him and then he offered me the residency on Saturday night club honey instead. Just wanted me to take me away. And done a smashed it the first week and in that way, went in and smashed the place up. It was round. Uh, the owners were loving it. They actually sacked the resident of that night, offered <laughs> me the residency. True. I went back and played second week and then went to Club Honey because Phil came and approached me and said, Listen, come to me, work for me. I'll do this for you, blah, 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 better. And so I was like, Yeah, I will come down to him. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are. Right, we're back. We took a little, uh, we took a little, a little toilet break and we reconnected because we we're having some troubles on the line. But basically we were talking about straight away you started running your own night. Straight away you were like, this is what, this is how what it's going to be. Um, so start telling us you were talking about what was the club you mentioned that I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with? Love and death, man. Love and death. Actually, I've actually, when I thought about it, went for a pisser and was thinking about it. So I've skipped a good bit. 
Um, what actually led me to thinking about this was shortly after starting this Friday and then the Saturday night came, uh, there was a there was a, a post went up from the Lush page. Uh, a colleague from Call or whoever it was saying, we're always on the lookout for fresh talent. Drop us a mix if you you know what I mean. If you think you've got it, whatever. Is that how so, Jay, is that how Jay got in? Just a joke, obviously. <laughs> just a joke. Shout out to Jay. Love you. Love you, Jay. Love you. Love you too, big son. Call. Love you, Robert. Yeah, we bolly on you. I'm gonna you do. Mate. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do you know what I'm gonna do one with with, with Carl because I'm gonna do. Um, well, if he if he says yeah, but um, I'm gonna do like a. I've got a plan to do like a kind of a promotery type series where I'll do like one with Carl and one with Ricky McGowan and lads. There's guys over here that I'll do and like maybe even Jace. Do you know what I mean? Like some of the kind of even Stevie Boyd or like you know like, like I mean I know Stevie's. Yeah. DJ in his own right, but you know, like more of those kind of people who've really gone on to be doing like a lot of big promotory stuff and owning venues or things like that. Uh, so basically, they had a post up, I sent in a mix, and then shortly after starting all these nights, they got in contact. And from there, I think long story short, I basically ended up like I was basically the resident at Lush for a long That's time. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And from because we used to go to Lush on the bus runs, yeah, we used to go to Kelly's flat out. I remember being at Kelly's, fucking loads of things, man. And then to play in there for me, it was like I remember my first hand going, it was shading myself, you know, it was like a bus, fucking 52 headers on a bus on the way up to Kelly's from Belfast. It was like it was epic, man. And it was like real good first gig, and then sat, I think it was like. No, it was. We were actually in Magaluf that day, DJ. Remember me at Magaluf over the summer? Took the went to went to Magaluf with two of the lads who was playing with on, on the Love and Death thing. Actually, they started Love and Death. We started our own night in on the Sunday night. We were doing Friday night in the Trinity, Saturday night in uh, Club Honey then at that stage, and then Sunday night we were doing Love and Death, which was our own night. And then, as it got to the summer, Callies came because I went to Magaluf and the DJ for the summer. Because I remember flying back to play the first gig at Lush. We went to Magaluf the DJ for the summer, supposedly, and I knew I had the Lush gig because it was well booked and well in advance. It was with Gareth Emery. I think it was wow. the first one. Then I was like, it's "Your first gig in Lush." Playing with Gareth Emery, and I can't even remember who I think Kieran McCauley, Walter McCauley was Gareth Emery, Walter McCauley. Call was on the lineup, and another guy who was a friend of mine at the time, Lee Barry. We were just like, we were the new guys, and we both smashed it, man. It was, it was lethal. I brought a busload of people up. They're all up the front, fucking chanting Woody from fucking nine o'clock. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's like nobody else in the dance floor except for 52 of my mates going absolutely fucking mental. You know what I mean? Uh, that really helped. And then from there, like the residency in Lush just really helped me craft my craft. You know what I mean? It was like, Call looked after you. Call really guided you and gave you advice and said, listen, play within this BPM at that time. If you're not this time, you play that BPM. And you're like, right, no sweat. So then used to go away and 
arrange your sets and and pick out a lot of music based on the BPM. And it, it taught you to then warm up. It taught you the warm up. I think that that uh, before that, I was just banging it. I was there. I was just banging it like a peak time slot. You know what I mean? And when I went to Lush, it taught me a lot about the warm up set. And I, I really appreciate everything that Lush taught me. You know, taught me to read the room as well. You know. Um, I think I really, I think I really missed that as well. Like thinking, thinking back now, obviously with these like four months off, obviously everyone loves that. Like you know, it's EP or whatever it is, and you know, digital. Everyone loves that headline set when everyone's there and it's full and it's rammed and it's you know, everyone's going crackers. Like that is obviously great, and we all love it. But I really miss that thing where, like, you know, you've got a warm up set coming up. You can see it two or three weeks out. You're looking at who it is, and you're like, you start because you start, and you have to start really digging. As because most of the time when you're playing that headline thing, you're just literally pulling the big hits, the big bangers. You're dropping everything. Whereas, like, you know, it's like I would be looking at it and I'd be like, oh, I've got Purple Disco Machine coming up, or I've got Chris Lake coming up, and it's like, right, I'm going to be playing these two hours from club open till you know whatever. And you have to start, you know, you're looking at new music. You're going back. You're getting stuff in a certain bpm range you like you try to find that you know you would you were saying it to me on you know messages the other day about the james hype thing it's like but it's like you're talking about now that thing where you're like you're really building a craft in a warm-up set and like getting it all right and like yeah mate I, someone told me i had a gig in two weeks and it was a warm-up i'd be absolutely buzzing it's same like that's because we played i played that slot for 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 a way right and then there was one night in lush where I was due to the warm up for Juicy M. It was, you know what I mean? It was a bit of a random gig for her. But whatever happened, she never showed up. Okay. So she missed her flight. And I can't remember who else was on at the stage. But as soon as I got to the front doors at Lush, Call was standing there. And he was like, have you, got, have you got USB with you? Have you got your laptop and stuff? And I says, Yeah. He says, uh, Do you think you'll be able to close? And I was like, What? This is like my. This is like my fourth or fifth time at Lush playing there. And I was like, what? Do you want me to close? And she was like, yep, Juicy M is, is Mr. Flint. She's not going to be here. I want you to close. And I was like, yes, man. The close Lush at that stage, so early, so early on, I was like, this is, this is my fucking, this is me. Like, this playing the Pig King Banger EDM thing, that was what I was all into at that stage. I was like, fuck me, I'm going to rack this place. So, man, went in, banged it out, and then had one of the best fucking nights of my life playing that show. So So then, so sort of like, for anyone who doesn't fully know about you, just give us an overview of like, so like you know not the last six months but pre-lockdown the last six months what nights are you doing in Belfast and Northern Ireland what nights are you running what sort of shows are you booking where are your residencies like you know pre-lockdown what what just for someone who doesn't know give us a kind of like a rundown of what you've been doing in the last you know pre-lockdown six months or so pre-lockdown we have Tuesday night residency in Electric Playgrounds Thompson's Friday night we have District we were that's our own brand. It's in fourteen. We were DJing there and running there. We also now I'm running Club Honey, uh, in the Beehive. It's a Saturday night and then the resident there as well. Uh, we also run Shorefest, our festival. We have brands like uh, Plant Smirk, 
fucking with a few other ones we run on the side. We just run, we just run. We're promoting events and running events probably two or three a week. Every so week. When you, when you say we, is yeah. there, is have you got a business partner? Is there a few of you, or is it just when you say we? Do you mean is it just you? It's I, I personally. It's just me and one other guy on Saturday, like our marketing mar- marketing manager. We have to runs the social media. It's just basically myself on a Saturday night at Club of Money, but on a Friday night and the, on the other projects, there's a team of us. Uh, we work under Digital Nation, and then we're in partnership with the guys who run NITF. Okay. So the NITF and, and us run Shorefest, which is our festival. That's that was one of our big projects pre-lockdown, and we had it. We were booking the likes of D Block and Estefan, and we had Brian Kearney last year, David Ruff. You know what I mean? Like big hard state artists and big massive trance artists, and that's what we do. We're trance and hard state promoters. That's and DJs when it comes to DJing, I can personally play right across the board, whether it be hip hop, house, R and B, right up to trance and fucking hard state, so, whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. I just be like a, I consider myself a club DJ rather than a trance DJ or a, a house DJ, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just like I like I love all sorts of music. I love I love everything. So so I feel I feel that, that I feel sometimes that, that is actually it helps you in one way that uh, because I have so many gigs. You know what I mean? We we'll have our have our three gigs a week, and then our the actual gigs we play throughout the year. You're you're talking like two hundred gigs a year, uh, and it's because we can play a wide variety of stuff. But then part of me also feels that because we play a wide variety of stuff. That you're not honing in on one specific genre and then moving forward in that genre. Do you know what I mean? If it was a tr- specific trans PJ, you won't be getting as much gigs, and then you would probably be up the ladder more on the trance scene as yeah. such. Whereas we're we're not just club DJs, but we're club DJs, so we'll play a lot of clubs. You know, play different stuff. It's not just one genre, and that's the way I like to play. I like to play. I like to play stuff that people dance to more. Like that's yeah, it. I'm I'm totally the same, and I've gone through that same that same thought process. But I'm with you, man. I just like I mean, yeah, I just like playing music. I like being in clubs. I like being in bars. Like I wouldn't do the hip hop, but where where I would do like you know, I wouldn't play the harder stuff like you do. But I would play house. I would play an indie set. I would play a you know a mashup party. You know, student yeah. thing like. You know, like yeah. yeah, I'd love I'd love being in the main room at Digital or at Thompson's playing, you know, playing house or whatever. But at the same time, if someone's just someone rang me up and said, you know, Tuesday night, mate, we need someone to come and do like a kind of student anthems, I'd be like, I'm there. I'd be like, I'd be just like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to do it. You know, if, if my mate was like, my mate's got an indie bar in Newcastle, if he's like, oh, Sunday night, the DJ let me down. Can you just come down and play some Strokes in Oasis? I'd be like, fucking mate, I'm there. Like, yeah. you know, I, I just, I think that's why I, before like pre lockdown. From like whatever it was was like the end, like just toward the end of March, I had fifteen gigs in a row, like with three residencies, and then whatever other ones doing formals and you know what I mean, like whatever they were, like loads of formals to be fair, and then just filler ones and other random gigs. You're just like there was a seventies one, one was a seventies gig. I was like, I just wanted seventies music all night long. I was like, fuck me, it was a it was a mission. 
It was an absolute nation, but it was brilliant. You know what I mean? It was something real different, stuff that you'd never played before. And you're you're hunting tracks down and just being like, right, they're coming up requesting stuff. You're on fucking downloading it there and then, and then sticking on the USB and banging it out. And they're like, yes, the funky and these tracks. You're like, this is. I play anything, bro. I would play anything. I, I just love music. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. So, t- so you, you mentioned it at the start. Tell us about the, um, is it Anthony that you're doing the DJs Unite thing with? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so that basically formed out of a 6 a.m. conversation in the morning when it was sunny out here in the lockdown, sunny as fuck. And I couldn't sleep, so I just got up and came out the back. He called and then we basically started this project where we're gonna we're gonna just we were talking about raising funds and maybe doing a live stream i had done a live stream the night before uh and he seen it and said listen why don't we try and get a a group together and we'll do a couple of live streams sort of thing and then that idea ended up snowballing we we went for six weeks of 12 djs 12 to 12 every saturday and in the back of in the background of that, we were raising funds for the, for basically the NHS because of the COVID at the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was the whole idea. We were just wanting to raise a few quid and then give all the all the DJs at the time. My initial thought was just let's just get all the DJs together and form a group. So when we all go in and have a bit of chat and a bit of banter and keep our spirits up and stuff, and then that. It turned into this, let's do a live stream and we'll get all the DJs with no involved. And so literally within 24 hours, we had 60 plus DJs signed up, ready to go for the, to do an hour long stream for us. You know what I mean? So we just had to basically, for me then, that was, for me, that was me. I was getting a bit back to normality for me because then I was back in organizing, scheduling, getting artwork sorted. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, Doing my normal job, just just doing promoting, and I was I felt good then. So, so and everybody and it was keen, and everybody was then having a bit of crack, and it was just good. Just, you know what I mean? It was good to get that sort of bond together with all the, all the lads. We, we all everybody knows each other, but nobody really gets to talk to each other in that way or have a bit of crack because we all work at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's working on a Saturday night. Nobody goes out together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, so coming, like, looking, hopefully seeing a bit of, like, light at the end of the tunnel. We were mentioning, I was speaking to, to Jace from um, Electric Playground today, and he was mentioning about, you know, there's, there's some sort of guidance saying that Northern Ireland clubs might be opening soon. I don't really want to get into, like, a date specifically, but you... How are you viewing this? Like, are you starting to plan as a promoter and as a DJ? Are you starting to plan what you're going to do? Are you still going with the flow a bit? Do you think it'll take a while to get back to to where we were? Like, do you think kids are just dying to get out? Like, what what's your, what's going on in your head now? Looking to the next, you know, three six months. I had. I'm thinking. I'm just really hoping that the restrictions ease up and we're allowed to get back to clubbing with some description. Do you know what I mean? It's it's all well and good having the ME bar gigs. The ME bar gigs will I'll get a bit of income coming back in for some artists and some DJs. And but I'll not start properly again until we get the, the go ahead to then open up the clubs. We're planning for 
the start of August to, to relaunch our club brands. So, as, and then if the if that doesn't happen, then we'll just we'll put back. You know what I mean? And just keep putting back until just have everything ready, have all our content, and have our DJs lined up, and have everything ready. So that as if the word if if we get the word to go, then we're ready to go. That's my plan, sort of thing. Cool, man. I'm actually, I'm actually, out, I'm actually out laboring at the minute, working on a build, building site, like, like in rocket. Just have to, have to. As I was saying earlier, my wife's pregnant, so we're due our next baby in October, so we just need to have some income. So that's what I'm doing during the day. Uh, we're help out with the building stuff. So. Oh, congratulations, man. Well, congratulations about the uh, about the new baby and, uh, you know, nothing but respect for getting out there and, and grafting. Right, we're going to start to, um, we're going to start to wind it up. And this is the, every episode I ask you or the, the guest to kind of cu- cu- curate their, f- like a dream gig. And obviously at the minute, this gig seems even more um, dreamy because we can't fucking have any. But if you were, and again, it's in the moment, it's right now. If you are kind of getting to pick your own gig, what I want from you is like a venue. So it can be a venue you've played before, like Lush or Thompson's or whatever, or it can be a venue you've never played before, but you, you want to play like, you know, whatever, Amnesia or whatever. It can be a festival. It can be a small club. It can be whatever you want it to be. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna ask you first off for, for a venue. And then I want to, you to curate three acts to play uh, at this gig. Uh, there's not really a headliner. They're all sort of equal billing. You can be on the lineup uh, or you can just be going to this party. You can have back-to-back sets. You can have live sets. You can even stick a band in there if you want. But it's just sort of a dream gig that you're curating in the moment right now. So, Paul Woods, I want your venue of choice. Where are we going to have this gig? Yeah, we're having a Bell Sonic in Belfast. Yes. <laughs> in the, in the park. There's no, I, I, no, I'm gonna see you're asking for a dream gig. I'm gonna give you the dream gig that never happened for me. My dream gig was Bell Sonic because we used to go to the festival every year in, Bel- in Belfast. Still going on. I was just a bit younger, so uh, we were actually me and Paddy were actually all the lineup with Ben Nicky, Cosmic Gate, uh, few other boys. Jane Tech, Scott Project, one of my heroes, Mark Sherry, and then Entrance, and then us, me and Paddy G, as Woods Act Gormley. We were meant to play on the 13th of June, 15,000, and it never happened. So to me, that's that was my dream gig. We had the first, our festival season, our festival lineup this year was ridiculous. We had the nice, we had an opera then, we had Ulster Music Festival, we had Croatia a couple of times, uh, Sphila. Fucking shore fest, our own festival. All these gigs to me were were dream gigs, and then because of obviously this COVID, then none of them are happening. But that one thing, Nicky, for me, if you add it, add it Will Atkinson into that that lineup, that would be my dream gig. Hometown Bell Sonic, fifteen thousand people. Add Queen on the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Right? If if people if if people want to come and find out um, a bit more about you, if if someone's listening to this podcast and doesn't live in Belfast, doesn't know you, hit me with some socials, with some links. Where can people go and find out more about you, more about your music, more about your gigs? And um, where what should they go and look at? 
Mate, a lot of our, I use my my own Facebook page as my socials. I, I need to concentrate more on on my socials. So it's just Facebook, BJ Paul Woods will be my, be my main contact. And then if it's on SoundCloud or Mixcloud, if it's the same, it's DJ Paul Woods. Uh, yeah, I need to work more on my content, man. That's no, one man, thing. That sounds that, cool. Right, so oh. then the last thing that I'm going to ask you to do is, and I'll I'll stick this in, in in post when you've told me what it is. But I want you to give me a track that um, people should hear right now. What I mean by that is, after listening to this podcast, I don't mean like right now, as in right now this second. I mean, someone's been listening to your story. Someone's been listening to, um, you know, all about you know you from the early days right up to where you are now. Um, even though that dream gig that didn't happen but was going to happen, I want you to give me the title of the track that we're going to play out on and just explain why you think it's important to you or why you'd like people to hear this record now or you know whether it's something really emotional and emotive or whether it's just something that you heard today and you're like, fuck, that's banging. I just want a record that it's going to end this podcast. Yeah, the, the record that's starting there for me at the minute is Will Atkinson Beans because... I watched the video about the boy, and he, uh, him and John Askew are up in a fucking cab- cabin up in the mountain for whatever amount of time, and he had like 16 hours, he got a load of samples, 16 hours to make this track, and he went into the studio by himself, came back out 16 hours later, and the track is an absolute fucking weapon. Uh, I, was, I heard all the samples that he used, and the video that shows you, it goes through it all, and, and he's in the studio creating it, and it's like... A masterpiece whenever you're like this boy made this in 16 hours fuck me we're we're down in the studio every monday night for eight to ten hours at a time you know what i mean for the lab still picking year. a kick drum <laughs> you know what I mean? one track man i'm like fuck me you know what I mean? one track and a rework and you're like jesus christ like this boy did this in 16 hours so to me that the producing side of things for me is is a is a totally different cat of fish and I just have nothing but respect for them boys that are able to sit down and do that. It's it's very hard for me now being the team when I when you have a family as well, a young family. But uh, hats off to the boys who do. And yeah, cool man. Well, I'll, play out the, I'll play out the uh, the podcast with Will Atkinson Beans, mate. It's been so lovely to speak to you. I can't wait to get over in Belfast and uh, see you again, party with you, play some tunes, hang out. I was supposed to be over for ATA, so I'm sure I would have bumped into you then, but. Um, yeah, hopefully I'll be over back over in Thompson soon, mate. It's been so lovely to speak to you. Catch you soon, Paul. Yeah, absolute legend, bro. Thank you very much, Nate. Take it easy. Felix Leiter's in the house. The podcast about DJs, what they do, and who they are.